Welcome to Ripstop on the Record, a podcast where fabric enthusiasts and DIY gurus discuss all things make your own gear, with the occasional poor attempt at comedy to keep it interesting. I'm Kyle Baker, the owner and founder of Ripstop by the Roll, and we're excited to have you listening. Hey everyone, welcome to Ripstop on the Record, episode 55, part two. I'm Jameson. Hey everyone, and I'm Avery. In this episode, we'll be finishing our episode on the MST and the DIYers that help create, maintain, and support the trail. If you haven't already listened to episode one or part one, then go back and you can use the link in the description below. Awesome episode where you'll get the idea of what the MST is and hear all the details. It'll really set the tone for what this episode will be. Absolutely. And coming up, you will hear from Less Love on how a trail of this size is maintained and built through the efforts of volunteers and the task force leaders. Additionally, we will talk with Jason Smith, our boss, about what the trail means to the people that are able to take advantage of this incredible amenity. Our first guest today is Les Love. He is probably the sweetest man we have ever talked to. Les has been involved with the outdoors and brings a dimension to the podcast that is warming, but also very inspiring. Yeah, he knows a lot of things and has a lot to share, but possibly the one I took away the most is that I guess trail maintenance is like the ultimate fountain of youth. He mentioned some friends of his that were like over 90 years old, but um, Les is amazing. But here's what he had to say. Hey, Les, thank you for joining us today. We've heard so many great things about you, and we're just really excited to get into it. So if you could tell us about yourself and your involvement with the Mountains to Sea Trail. Okay. Um, Les Love, I live up in Asheville or Weaverville, if you know the area. And let's see, got involved, oh my gosh, probably through the Carolina Mountain Club. Um I've been with them for about 25 years, and we were, when I first started, the Mountains to Sea Trail was not completed through here, and the club was in in the throes of building it through the mountains, and, uh, and I got involved helping lead the, uh, the quarterly Saturday work days. Uh, those of us that... Uh, that still work and I still work now and uh, don't don't ever plan on retiring. I'm having way too much fun. And uh, whenever these crews would go out during the week, um, there were a bunch of us. We just can't do that. So we started a quarterly Saturday work day and we helped build the Mountains to Sea Trail for probably about 10 years. So wow. I, I was going out four times a year helping lead a crew on Saturdays. And that way we could learn from these, these trail guys in the club that have been doing it for years and years. And one of the great ones is Pete Bodenhorst, who uh, did taught me so many good things about trail maintenance. And, uh, and we completed um, the, the trail's not completely off of the parkway, but we built miles and miles of, of trail. And a lot of that is over in the rough territory around Water Rock Knob that we all just admire so greatly. And uh, with my involvement in that, I joined the friends of the MST and, and got to know Kate Dixon 
really, really well. And, uh, and then eventually got asked to be on the board, which I'm still on the board. Um, I guess I've been on the board for uh, probably about five or six years, maybe whatever. And, um, just love it. Just the, the trail connects so many people across our state and, uh, um, through the board, I'm uh, doing thank you calls to people for donations that they make or when they join. There's a bunch of us that do those. And uh, I just am always thrilled to talk to people that are down in your area, down in the Triangle, and uh, that are down on the coast. And they tell me how much the trail means to them. It gives them goals to be able to set. Uh, it gives them a trail to escape to. And, and it's the same trail that we've got up here. So we're all talking about the same thing and, and how much it means to us. So, uh, so anyway, it's, it's just been a great ride for me. And my wife is involved in the, in the, Carolina Mountain Club and and supports me greatly on in the, the in fact she's the one that talked me into joining the board years years ago I probably wouldn't have joined the board uh, if if it weren't with Catherine. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I definitely I don't want to call Jameson out on his age, but uh, you you've been a part of the Carolina Mountain Club almost as long as Jameson has been alive. So. <laughs> Next time you're out hiking, Jameson, you'll have to think deeply about that one. <laughs> RDM. <laughs> well, I was I was hiking whatever. I was Jameson's age, and well, it's just been part of my life. I actually got a degree in forestry, so getting in the woods has uh, has been an important part of my life. So uh, I'm right there with you, Jameson. Yeah, don't trade. <laughs> For your young age. It's great. <laughs> well, you mentioned um, a little bit about how the trail is so connected and everyone's kind of doing the same thing. And it's one thing that Betsy alluded to and had this statement that, you know, when she's on Mount Mitchell, she's thinking about the person on Clingman's Dome. So clearly for people who are not familiar with the MST or maybe haven't looked at that actual map, um, it is over 1,100 miles along, which is kind of crazy to think about when it's all in one state. I mean, it's half the length of the Appalachian Trail that runs through 12 states, but you're getting 1,100 miles in one state. So with something of this size, how does that get maintained? It's it's incredible how well it is maintained. And you could pretty well say that it's by hundreds and hundreds of volunteers. Uh, it's it amazes me how many people do go out because they love the trail. And it's for us up here in the Carolina mountain club, we, we have the trail divided into sections and, uh, and then each person that's a, that's a section maintainer has a, a piece that's maybe a mile, maybe two miles, whatever. And, and it's amazing how, volunteers take possession of their their section take pride in their section they want it to be perfect and 
we well that's something I help do is uh, I'm a volunteer coordinator for the Carolina Mountain Club and 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 help coordinate and and bring in volunteers for some sections up here from the uh, Pisgah Inn down to the uh, Folk Arts Center and it's it's just great getting to to train these people and and of course I've got a tremendous amount of help doing this as far as training through the Carolina Mountain Club and letting people know what they need to do going out and we help them with weed eating and cleaning the cleaning the water bars cleaning the the ditches and then lopping all the vegetation that grows in but then extending on past what the Carolina Mountain Club is responsible for we only go up to Mount Mitchell and uh, and then from then on it's well the High Peaks Association takes over but then going on east uh, we have task force leaders that do the same thing that we do. They recruit volunteers and we have all these task forces that are all the way across the, across the state. The Carolina Mountain Club maintains about 150 miles of the Mountains to Sea Trail up here in the mountains. But then you've got the remainder that has to be maintained by all these task forces that are divided up all the way across the state, and they do incredible work. And uh, gosh, all across the state, uh, it's amazing what they do. And they have meetings of task force leaders to learn what all needs to be done and how to do it better. So, uh, and they, we even have little uh, clinics, you might say, at our at our gatherings, our annual gatherings, to have trail maintainers talking about things, helping train people. We've got some folks up here that are in their 80s that have been doing this for years and years, and they sell their they sell their way of doing it to uh, to the folks that are down east. Uh, even though the trail maintenance may be a little bit different. So uh, so anyway, it's it's such a love for the trail, and it's spread over hundreds of volunteers all across the state. We heard that you were instrumental on getting the MST through Indigenous land, specifically uh, Cherokee land. Can you tell us more about that experience and what you did to help uh, advocate for both the MST and for uh, the land there. Yeah, that that was an exciting thing, and um, that was that was driven mainly by Alan DeHart. Uh, and I think if, of course, Alan died several years ago, but Alan DeHart was kind of my idol for years and years. When when I was your age, Jameson, and was out hiking. I always had an Alan DeHart handbook of wherever I was going because he had every trail documented in his books for North Carolina and all the other states around here, South Carolina. It didn't matter. You could get an Alan DeHart book 
and he was a professor at Lewisburg College. And he was, the, the Mountains to Sea Trail would not exist without Alan DeHart. It's just the way it was. It, he was such an advocate and he, he pushed, he pushed hard to get the trail in certain places. And my feeling was if Alan DeHart wants this trail to continue on the parkway lands all the way down to Acona Lefty, joining with the, the Smoky Mountains Park there, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to do this for Alan. And for years and years, he had said that you couldn't build, I mean, no, no, I'm sorry. The parkway had said that we could not build a trail over the lower two tunnels that are that are in the Cherokee reservation that are in the uh, that that land because the the parkway had said we do not want people hiking through these tunnels and uh, and Alan DeHart said there that can be done. A trail can be built to go around these tunnels. So we we came up with a way to do that, to bypass the lower two tunnels. The other problem was the upper three tunnels that were that were still on Cherokee property, there is a there is a uh, road there. It's a Bureau of Indian Affairs road that bypasses those three upper tunnels. And there was a problem of using that road because of the Cherokee owning it. And Pete Bodenhorst, who I mentioned before, who was very instrumental with the Carolina Mountain Club, he worked so hard trying to figure out how we could get this trail down to the Kona Lefty River through Cherokee property and make it work for Alan DeHart. And Pete and I were over there one day in Cherokee looking and, and I said, you know, has anybody ever gone and talked to the Cherokee? Well, we've tried, we've called them and, and we've, you know, but it just doesn't seem to work out. And I said, well, you know, I'd kind of like to go over and meet, meet them and actually talk about this because this would be such a benefit to them. And so I went over, actually went over several times and uh, found out that the person that was kind of in charge of this was the vice chief, Larry Blythe. And Larry, of course, he's a busy man. And... Uh, I went over and no, uh, he's not here and went over another time. Yep, he's in, but he's he's tied up. Okay, well I'll just wait. And I waited and finally Larry let me in to his office and come to find out we both had degree we're both the same age, as a matter of fact. And we both got degrees in forestry. He got his out in Idaho. I got mine from Tennessee. So Wow, we got a lot in common. And the more we talked, the more he saw the benefits of this. 
And he said, well, yeah, let's, let's see if I can push this through the tribal council and you guys can use that road. I don't see any harm in that at all. So it went on and on, and, and uh, I got back to all the powers that be, the state, the Parkway people, and, uh, and they were trying to get Larry to come to Asheville for this big meeting that they were going to have, the, the uh, folks from the Smokies. And, and uh, Larry said, well, why don't you all just come over here to Cherokee? And we'll meet here. <laughs> and so I said, oh, I love it. Let's go to his house. I, I was not involved in that meeting. I'm not one of the uh, powers that be. I was only a facilitator, you might say. And they had that meeting, and it was approved. And, and Larry Blythe got that approved through the tribal council. And they made a... Uh, uh, construction permit, the state did, it all just fell right into place. And it was because we crossed that hurdle of the Cherokee agreeing that this would be a good thing. And I think just extending the, the hand of friendship that we, we see a benefit here that, that would work for you and letting them know that we're on their side. And that has, and I've developed such a good relationship with the Cherokee through that, through that initial meeting, and uh, um, just well, it's it's just great, and it is benefiting Cherokee, and it it checked the box of Alan DeHart wanting that was considered the original route that was planned years and years ago. It checked that box that this is where the trail needs to go, and. Alan DeHart had already died. I hate that when all this happened and we finalized it and we got the bypass tunnels around the lower, I mean, yeah, the bypass trails around the lower two tunnels. We got that done. And I wish Alan could have been there to see this. We had a, we had a big celebration down at Oconee Lufty over this happening. And uh, so we came full circle on it. It's, it's something that I'm really proud of. Les, your your work there with developing relationship and friendship, <clears throat> excuse me, is something that uh, we've heard a lot about from you before we ever even got to talk with you. But from uh, Jason telling us about the conversations he's had with you, um, to your welcome calls, your thank you calls that you do for people, we've heard that you do an exceptional job building this type of relationship. Tell us about where that comes from for you, because that seems like it's been a really important part of your work with the Carolina Mountain Club, but also with the MST, um, but maybe something we can take away in general. It's maybe like your DIY superpower of, of developing this relationship with, with people. Tell us more about that. Wow. Well, that's very flattering uh, that you're saying that. Uh, gosh, I don't know. It's I just find that the more I talk to people and the more I get involved with folks and, and I guess they see my enthusiasm over the trail or, or whatever, whatever it is with the Carolina mountain club. And as I tell people about the Carolina mountain club, it has, I met my wife, Catherine, we've been married for 19 years. And, uh, 
I met her through the Carolina Mountain Club. So I, I cannot do enough to repay the Carolina Mountain Club. And I always find that when I'm out on the trail, that when I say I'm with the Carolina Mountain Club, it, it causes people to open up and, oh, you're volunteering to do this. Wow. That's great. We thought the Forest Service or Park Service, we thought that this is, this is not a volunteer thing. So I find that the more we talk to people and the more we tell them what we're doing with the trail, folks appreciate that. And uh, I always say, hey, I'll work all day for a good thank you. And, uh, and that's that's it. It's, it's all about the appreciation. So it, it, if I talk to people and they show me gratitude for what I'm doing to be out there volunteering or, or talking people into coming into the club and doing trail maintenance with us, I get so much pleasure out of that. And I think that feeds me probably more than than what other people are getting out of it. So uh, it's all good for me. Well, man, I mean, you just convinced me. I'm like over here trying to hold back the tears. Uh, <laughs> honestly, it's just, it's really motivating and empowering to hear. Um, I worked as a hiking guide for a little while in the Smokies and coming from that background, I have a little more awareness than maybe the average day hiker of knowing like how these trails are actually built and maintained. And one thing that I was thinking of when you were talking is I'm always like, well, how, what can I do to repay these people? And when I see trail workers, I'm always like, you don't know how much this means to me. Like I try to cheer up their day a little bit, like thank them as they step aside to let me pass on the stone stairs that they're building. Um, so this is definitely an off script question, but what can someone like just, you know, the average weekend warrior day hiker or someone who is enjoying maybe any trail, um, which all have to be maintained by volunteers. What can we do to show our gratitude? Cause sometimes I'm like, I know that thank you isn't enough. I know that these people have been out there for, you know, six hours on their knees with a shovel um, in the heat of the summer. So <laughs> what would you say are some ways that we can show our gratitude towards people like you and all of the other hundreds of volunteers uh, that help maintain this immensely long and beautiful trail that is the MST? Well, the, the first thing you can do is join the Friends of the Mountains to Sea Trail. And I mean, that is so critical to the more members we get. And we've got about 20, I think the number right now is 2,600. And when I came on the board, we had less than a thousand. And wow. I said, you know, to me, this should be a 10,000 member organization uh, because, I mean, this is a 1,200 mile long trail. But so many people do not know that the in the first place, they don't know they're on the mountains to sea trail. Mm -hmm. But if they do know that, they do not know that the Friends organization even exists. So 
getting that word out is so important. And that's something whenever I'm out, I try to tell people when we're on the Mountains to Sea Trail that, hey, that's something you can do is just join. You don't have to give a lot. It costs 35 bucks to join. That's so critical to us. The more members that we have, the more good we can do. So then if you join, and we've all got things that we need to do. We've got families, we've got jobs, we've got, and, and getting out and working on the trail, it's not for everybody. So don't beat yourselves up if you're not doing that. It we just we can't all go out and and swing a hazel hoe. So if you join <laughs> and just show your support for organizations like that and the Carolina Mountain Club, and I always try to push the quarterly work days that we have for the Carolina Mountain Club. We'll have usually. 30 to 50 people that show up on those and we only do four a year and we do we only do four for a reason because we want people to say oh they're only doing four of these i got to show up and it's an mm-hmm. excellent way to learn about trail maintenance and i can put you on our webs on our uh, email list and this past year, we we worked on the Mountains to Sea Trail over Mount Mitchell. Everybody mm. wants to go to Mount Mitchell. So here is a stellar trail, incredible views, and and the the uh, the rangers up there would come out and just sing our praises for what we're doing and make us feel good. Here we are working in this beautiful park and making improvements, doing rock work. And it's a way for folks to learn about trail maintenance. If that's something you really want to get involved in, then shoot me an email and let me know that you would like to be on that list. And you will get uh, notifications about we're, we're going to be in another area next year. But I always say that and I've got a lot of people on that on that list that they come one time and that's fine. We it's it's sort of an 80-20 rule. 80% <laughs> never show up again. And that's okay. 20% come back and they may even join one of our other crews. But that 80%, they will go away at the end of the day knowing more than they ever thought they would about how to maintain a trail and what all's involved. So it's a great way to learn about trail maintenance. And if you're in if you're in Durham, like you are, there are task force leaders that do the same thing. They would love to have you come out and join them for one day and just just experience that. And you don't have to come all the time just to come out. And and they always say, we need to get young people out here. Well, (laughs) you've probably got a lot going on and uh, you may not be able to come out a lot. And that's very understandable. 
So, uh, so anyway, and the thank you, that means a lot. Just, just stopping and saying, man, we really appreciate what you're doing. Unfortunately, that will do it for the conversation with Les Love. We had an amazing time talking to him, but unfortunately, there were some connection issues resulting in the full interview not being saved. Now, we did reach out to tech support, and they have given us some solutions. We're optimistic that we'll be able to have the full episode up at some point next week. The next patron of our questions is our very own Jason Smith, the GM of Ripstop by the Roll and our boss. Hey, Jason. <laughs> also known as the old man in the office and the uh, local giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. We talk with Jason to tie up the loose ends on why we did this episode and to hear about his own vast personal experiences on the Mountains to Sea Trail. So this is a bit more of a fun introduction. It's not normally someone that I'm meeting for the very first time, but Jason, thanks for coming on the episode. Oh, absolutely. Great to be here. Uh, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> first time link link clicker, I guess, right? Right. <laughs> so Jason, you have a strong connection with the MST from section hiking to work days to uh, bringing your family on the trail pretty frequently. In your own words, tell us about the connection that you have with the MST. Sure. So, I mean, uh, the MST is uh, a huge part of my life, trails in general, but the MST specifically. Um, so uh, probably, I don't know, maybe a dozen years ago or maybe more, uh, more than I want to think about, uh, I was living uh, right up the street from the MST and uh, didn't necessarily realize it or or think about it comprehensively at that point. It was like, oh, there's a trail near my house, near Falls Lake, and I'm going to go get on it. And uh, was out there, I was going to do a uh, my first trail race. And so I was like, well, while I'm like training for that, I'm going to run uh, each section of the trail, you know, down to Falls Dam, right? And um, so uh, at some point I realized that, hey, Falls Lake Trail is part of a bigger trail. Uh, and uh, so I'm going to finish Falls Lake Trail. And when I did that, I'm like, you know what, I can do the whole thing. And so um, that's, that's sort of how I got, you know, started with the MST was just by accident because it was sort of a local trail. But as you said, my connection now, uh, I think goes a lot deeper and a lot broader. Um, you know, my family is frequently out on the trail, um, and, uh, just last weekend and, uh, coming up this weekend. So, uh, it's something that it's just a, a thing that we do, uh, you know, frequently, uh, every, every couple of weeks for sure. And, uh, more often if we can. Uh, I also, you know, I do, I get out and, uh, do trail maintenance when I can. I got a great, uh, couple of, uh, great task force leaders over in segment nine, uh, Andrew, Sam and Greg Yon, and, uh, have a good time just giving back to the trail. Uh, so it's, it's not just uh, sort of a refuge and a place that I go to clear my head, but it's also a place where I feel like I can be of service to my community, uh, and, and to other people that want to get outdoors. Uh, and it's also uh, exercise for me. So uh, it's really uh, it's really sort of a comprehensive part of my life, I guess you'd say right now. When you started out saying that you, you start, I think your first few words were, I was living. And I was like, oh, man, I didn't realize how much of a connection Jason had to the MST. He was living on it one day in the past. <laughs> I'm going to live on it this weekend. <laughs> I guess you technically do live on it a lot of times in some ways. <laughs> For you, Jason, um, you obviously understand what it means to create your own path, but what do the MST and other locally built trails mean to people who walk on them? 
It's a great question. I think that uh, I think it means to a lot of people what it means to me. It's a it's a place to go outside and uh, and sort of have a refuge from the uh, the busy day to day, right? Especially those of us here in the Triangle that are dealing with traffic and you know. Uh, all of the various things that come in with uh, living in a big place, it's nice to be able to, you know, park your car and walk for 15 minutes away and feel like, hey, I'm, I'm really like, you know, out uh, away from some of the uh, the hustle and bustle. Um, really saw that uh, at the beginning of the pandemic where, you know, trails in general, uh, there was just, you know, such a surge of people, I think looking for, you know, some sort of connection beyond, uh, you know, what their day to day looks like. and. Um, you know, a lot of them found that uh, getting outdoors. You obviously know a lot about what we've kind of done with the MST and Ripstop by the role. And it's one thing that I don't think we've really officially talked about much on the podcast or just publicly. But do you want to share a little bit about maybe what the MST, how we're incorporating that into Ripstop by the role and what it means for us as a company and for the employees that might have just experienced it for the first time with one of the activities we've recently done? Sure, absolutely. So, uh, you know, as you know, um, we have a philanthropy committee uh, here at Ripstop by the role where we look for opportunities to give back to our community in, uh, in different ways. And uh, this year, uh, a couple of the ways that we've done that uh, are to participate in or, or actually uh, create for our, uh, our staff here uh, opportunities to go out and do cleanups. And we've done a couple of those on different sections of the Mountain Sea Trail. And uh, I think they've been well received. We, uh, we generally had a, a good time uh, both times getting out uh, together as a group for some bonding, uh, for some outside time, which uh, many of us enjoy. Uh, and also, again, just a chance to, to get back to uh, our local community and our local trail system. So um, that's, uh, that's one way. Uh, the other thing that we've uh, been able to do is uh, support the Friends of the Mountains to Sea Trail with creating um, a custom uh, zipper pack pouch. Uh, so uh, I had an opportunity to uh, to give a few of those away to people that completed uh, some of the hiking challenges for the Mountains to Sea Trail's 45th birthday. And so uh, that was, uh, I guess, a pet project of mine that I lassoed you guys all into. But uh, <laughs> I really appreciate all the hard work that uh, that went into that. And uh, it was well received, I think, by the, uh, by the community. So. Earlier this year, Kyle and the, the rest of us put down uh, the reason that RBTR exists in a lot of ways, kind of our, our why statement um, being that we want to help people create their own paths. Mm-hmm. For this episode, we kind of took that in a very literal sense where we're talking with people that have created this path across North Carolina. For the company, it often results in people making their own gear. But for you, I'm going to ask you maybe the, the toughest question, tie that all in for us. I mean, this is a pretty weird episode for uh, DIYers and MYOGers to do. So besides the just creating your own path in a literal sense, what's sure. the connection between the gear that we make and the trails that we walk on? Sure. So I guess I'll take the uh, the, the literal uh, part of it first and, and say that, you know, the, the Mountains of Sea Trail and many trails are largely volunteer built uh, to uh, have a, a trail that goes 1,175 miles across the state or, or even, you know, some local things. Uh, it takes the effort of volunteers. And in that sense, it, it really is do it yourself, right? If you want a trail to hike on, uh, sign up for a, a task force, sign up for a work day, go out and help uh, do it yourself, so to speak. Um, and then a, in a larger sense, um, it, you know, it just gives people the opportunity to uh, go out and do things that they enjoy, that they can 
you know, see, um, I, I think one of the, one of the satisfying things about DIY often is, um, that, that you have done it yourself, that there's a sense of accomplishment when you, when you finish something, uh, and you end up with something that, you know, didn't exist before that, you know, in some ways might be just what you want. Right. And so I, I think that's sort of how that ties together, uh, whether it's, you know, physically and literally making your own path through the woods or, you know, making a piece of gear that, you know, gets you out on the trail. Uh, I, I do think that the DIY spirit really, you know, kind of ties all that together. So there, is, there are a lot of parallels for me. It's an, it's an easy connection for me to see. Now, can we chat a little bit about our, our why statement in terms of what does it mean? I mean, creating your own path is a little bit ambiguous when it comes to, it's like making backpacks. Um, sure. What does that mean for us in a practical way? Yeah. So, I mean, it means that uh, if you go to, uh, you know, a, uh, a retailer and you want to pick out a piece of gear, uh, you're picking out a piece of gear that's sort of designed for uh, the middle of the road or maybe designed for um, a, sort of a, a, a subset of people, right? Uh, you can certainly get packs in small, medium and large, but uh, when you're uh, when you're six foot four, uh, you know, maybe that the off the shelf stuff doesn't quite work, right? I just bought uh, a pack recently that uh, was the biggest available, but didn't quite work out for me. And so I think that, uh, you know, creating your own path might mean creating a piece of gear that really works best for you. Uh, that works with, you know, the way that, you know, you want, you want things to be right. And so um, that's, uh, that's a piece of it. Uh, and then also, you know, just the opportunity to sort of stand out from the crowd, right? Uh, we've got custom printing options, for instance. So your pack can have literally anything on it that, that you want uh, and, you know, allow you some creative expression, uh, you know, while you're outdoors uh, or just to tailor to your needs. Um, I, love orange backpacks and uh they're you know they're just not available in a, in a sort of every brand uh or size that you might want so you know i was fortunate enough to uh, work with one of our cottage vendors to create exactly um you know what i what i needed from the products that we sell and so uh, while i'm not quite at the level of making my own pack at this point it's certainly an aspiration of mine but just having the materials uh and the great connections with, with some of our cottage vendors to uh, to get really, you know, what you need and, and in that sense, create your own path. Jason, you're coming up on your one year anniversary here. We did not prep you with these, these questions. Um, <laughs> but now I'm interested because we have you on the, on the podcast for the first time, but the hot seat. got it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, about a year ago, <clears throat> you discovered us because you were trying to find some hammock fabric. How much has your perspective changed? Uh, and not to to beat this point too much on creating your own path since you started working here. I mean, you've seen backpacks been made. You've seen Carter's collection of the Smithsonian of backpacks. You've <laughs> you've seen so many different things since joining us. How has creating your own path changed for you over the last year? Uh, I mean, I think though it's the possibility has just, you know, expanded exponentially. I mean, there are so many things that you can do that I don't know that people are, are always aware of. And so, you know, I went from, sure, I can create my own stuff sack and there might be a reason to do that to, oh my gosh, I have, you know, 25 projects that I'd love to work on uh, as soon as I uh, work my skills up to the, the point of doing it. So, I mean, I think that uh, the more I, the longer I work here, uh, and the more that I learn about, you know, what we do and, and, and uh, the skills that, that, you know, folks like yourself uh, have, uh, I, I realize that, 
you know, people create, you know, everything that you can buy in the store. And that means that you could create it yourself too, with enough, you know, sort of determination and inspiration. Uh, and frankly, there's just no short of inspiration around here. What do you want to make now? Oh my gosh. What do I want to make now? I mean, I really would like to get to the point where, you know, I, I make my own pack. I've got some more, uh, I've got some, some baby steps to do in between, but, uh, I've got, you know, some things that I've, I've got a, I've got a pack that I use uh, in certain situations that I'm, I'm sort of fond of that I'd like to modify a little bit to just sort of, you know, meet my needs better and that sort of thing. So, um, that's, that's one, um, trying to think of other things that, uh, there's so many, so many different ideas on the list, but, you know, just things for like organizing my, you know, mountain bike gear in the back of the car and just, uh, lots, lots of different things that, uh, I have to, I have so many, uh, outdoor hobbies that I have to, you know, kind of wait until the, uh, the weather gets, you know, too ugly, which uh, for me is a, a pretty s small window. Uh, but when the weather's too ugly, I can focus more on, uh, you know, sort of indoor pursuits. So. so not only are you a fearless GM, but you are also no stranger to hiking on the mountains to sea trail. You mentioned you were out last weekend. You're going to go away this weekend and get into the woods. Can you tell the listeners about what sections you've hiked um, and kind of what's next for you, what your MSG, MST journey looks like? Sure, sure. Uh, so uh, this is certainly the most public I've ever said this, but I'm hoping to finish uh, every mile of the trail uh, in 2023, um, which uh, is about, um, I, I try not to add it up too much, let's say about 300 to 400 more miles. Um, so um, at this point, I have um, most of the mountain section uh, left. Uh, so the way, because of the way I started the trail, uh, you know, hiking around Falls Lake, I basically started at home and worked east a little bit and then west a little bit and, and you know, so on and so forth. So I've sort of grown out from the center. Uh, and it just means that the miles that I have left are primarily in the mountains um, between, um, well, seg segments two to four. So think like, uh, the Water Rock Knob area around uh, Cherokee out to uh, this weekend, I'll be uh, just north of Limbo Gorge up towards Beacon Heights. So uh, I've got that section to do. Um, and then uh, I also have about 60 miles on the Outer Banks to do uh, up from Hatteras Inlet to Jockey's Ridge. Uh, and then um, my wife and I opted to do the paddle route uh, on the, uh, MST, which is segments 11A through 16A. And we have about 60 more miles, uh, to do there as well. So at this point I have sort of chunks all over the state, which is fun because, uh, one of the beauties of the mountains of sea trail is really getting to see the whole state. And, uh, right now I have a little bit left in, in each of the mountains, the Piedmont and the, uh, and the coast. So that makes me super excited because some of those sections, are the sections I've done the most. And I know they're so beautiful. I also know that you were out hiking in Linville Gorge last weekend and we almost crossed paths, <laughs> which running into you, <laughs> I was like, wait, Jason's in the gorge, just like a few miles that way. Um, so I know it's right. going to be hard to ask you this next question because it's going to be like asking you who your favorite employee is, but <laughs> What has been your favorite section of the MST so far? 
Yeah, no, that, that is a great question. So I, I think I, uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, hedge or punt and say I have three favorites. Uh, so uh, I really love, uh, there's a, a section uh, on the, along the Eno River called the Laurel Bluffs Trail, which is basically between Pleasant Green Access and the quarry. And I'd say I love that section because it, it has mountain laurels and, and a lot of elevation uh, down to the river. And it makes you feel like you're in the mountains, even though you're you know squarely in the Piedmont. It's also somewhere that we just go all the time. And so I feel like I know it in every season and under every condition. So that that's a cool thing. Uh, I also really, uh, I really love Linville Gorge, uh, which is where I'm headed this weekend. And there may be a little bit of uh, that effect going on, but uh, it is truly a, a beautiful and remote section of the trail. Uh, as busy as the mountains are right now with uh, leaf peeping and all those sorts of things. Maybe I saw a dozen people last weekend uh, across a dozen miles. And so uh, it's nice to be able to get away uh, from the crowds and, and really see some uh, amazing scenery. Uh, and then the last thing I'll say as a favorite is everything I haven't done yet, because I'm the guy that always has to see what's around the corner. Uh, let's just go a little further. What's around this bend? Uh, and so this is sort of figuratively uh, everything that's in front of me is what's around the bend. So, Well, Jason, consider this your formal introduction to the podcast. I hope there are many more episodes to come for you, uh, especially now that, like we just talked about, you're probably going to go famous in Australia and Lithuania after this. So, <laughs> sure. uh, the, you know, it's out of our control now. <clears throat> but um, thanks for taking some time out of this really busy week as you're getting ready to go hike as we finish inventory and getting ready for a sale. Thanks for joining us on this episode. No, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I uh, look forward to you know, talking about these things again. Cool. Thanks, Jason. We'll uh, see you around, I guess. Thanks. <laughs> Take care. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please like, rate, subscribe, comment, whatever it is you need to do to let us know that we're doing a good job, but also so other people and other makers can find the show. Next week, we're talking with John Campbell from Alpine Luddites, and I don't think you're going to want to miss it. See you then.